Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. Before we get started, we'd like to tell you about the Ringer's YouTube channel. Yep, we stepped up our game in 2017 with weekly videos like Cousin Sal's Best Bet, NBA Desktop, No BS, Table Reads, Director's Commentary, and Captain Morgan's Make Believe Casino. There's also a really great NFL show called Slow News Day featuring Kevin. What? Yeah. There is? You were on that show. <laughs> you threw a grape in my mouth. I did. I, I was, finally it was got amazing. one. Yeah, it was an awesome moment. We also have video podcasts and mini movies like Take Hunter, Ringer 360, and Claytheism. Coming in 2018, a weekly video mailbag from Bill Simmons, Mallory Out of a Hat, and a slew of other new digital shows you don't want to miss. Just go to theringer.com slash video, or even better, please subscribe to our channel at youtube.com slash theringer, especially Slow News Day. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, bud? I'm obsessed with Eli Manning coming out in favor of the catch rule. <laughs> I, of all the things I thought you possibly could have said right there, that is not what I expected. I was scanning NFL.com this morning, and it just says Eli Manning likes the catch rule. What? That's the trolliest thing that anyone's ever done. I mean, look, what, what just happened there? Is there anything in the what world? What just happened? What could you possibly? What is the motivation for that? To just say a, a rule that everyone hates, and just be like, you know what? I'm into this. This is good. I can see way. if if you're trying to be like like a hot take guy, you know, you're just like actually the catch rule is is the best rule in sports. But Eli Manning has no dog in the fight, so to speak. Maybe we're just misconstruing Amazing. this. Maybe Eli has the second act as a Skip Baylesian, you know, figure on television. Maybe that's what Eli's doing after this when he gets cut. He's going to embrace debate. <laughs> That's right. That'd be it's amazing. Fate. And he's and he's got just tons of catch rule takes. Oh God. We'll get to catch rules, but first let's talk about that clip, that run, that game. The Falcons hung on to beat the Bucks Monday night, which just about does it for the Aaron Rodgers comeback dream. It seems like Atlanta is yeah. definitely in the driver's seat here in the NFC wild card. I mean, the Falcons did not look that impressive last night against a team without any of nope. its defensive players. It's just kind of one of those things where you'd hope that they would go in and absolutely stomp the Bucks and they did not. I will say that Devontae Freeman run made me very happy because it won me a fantasy week and got me the number one pick in the draft. So welcome, Saquon Barkley. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy your new team. Yeah, look, they could have lost that game. But on the other hand, I, I, I know it sounds just insanely cliche and lame, but at this point in the season, he's got to win. Like a win is a win. I know it's always a win, but I mean, it's just there's all sorts of wacky results. Got teams lose winnable games all the time that this is I was generally OK. This isn't college football. I didn't need to see the Falcons win by two touchdowns to put them in the playoff. It's mathematics at this point. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I still feel like the last few weeks we've kind of seen you know, the firepower this offense can bring and what would make it dangerous, everything else. The NFC is so wide open, man. I and mean, we're going to get to that. Some really interesting outcomes, you know, just all over the place from there. And just a lot to sort through from week 15. We're going to talk about the beat down the Rams put on Seattle, how realistic the Rams Super Bowl yep. chances are, which is just a conversation that I never thought we'd be having as Christmas is a week away. Uh, Danny's going to be here. We'll probably lament the Seahawks for a moment, but he'll also help us decide who has the best chance in the AFC wild card, which is similarly nuts. Before that, though, let's get going with our four downs, our four biggest stories from the weekend. On first down, there's really no other place to start. Patriots Steelers build as the game of the year. And oh boy, <laughs> did it come through in a big way. And of course, it couldn't be an NFL game of 2017 without a superstar getting hurt and all of us wondering what the hell a catch is. But amid all that craziness on Sunday in Pittsburgh, Kevin, what was your biggest takeaway? Well, my biggest takeaway is the conversation around the NFL is bigger than the game itself. Because and I, I always think that the NFL likes this. They like the idea that we're there, there's eight things to talk about. One of them is what the hell is a catch? Yep. One of them is, did the Patriots just clinch the AFC? But I mean, I just think that the way they ensure there's going to be con 
there's going to be conversation is the reason they're a 13, 14 billion dollar industry. Okay. I feel like the catch rule is something that we bring up every three weeks and we get angry about it. And there's, it's sort of unwinnable for the NFL. If you liberalize the catch rule, there will just be fumbles all the time, which I guess you can argue the receivers would hate more. And if you say that anytime the ball hits the ground, it's incomplete. I saw some ideas about that. Just anytime the ball hits the ground, it's incomplete. Um, the receivers would hate that more as well. So they're in kind of a tough spot. I guess the answer is just to more clearly define it. I know Eli Manning's okay with it, but I guess the main takeaway for me is that even in the absolute greatest games of the season, and this may have been the best game of the season, uh, the NFL just knows exactly how to manufacture conversation. Uh, Let's start with the catch rule just very quickly. I don't think it should be this difficult. If, if he had stopped, if Jesse James had stopped at the goal line, put the ball across, pulled it back, and someone had hit it out of his hands, that's a touchdown. So why, if you have possession of the ball and it crosses the goal line, is it not a touchdown? Isn't that just how simple it should be? If you have possession of the football and at any point it crosses the goal line, you score, you get six points. It, yeah, I understand it how it simple. should it, What's up? I said it seems pretty simple. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, I understand why it's a little more difficult on the sideline. And, and I think that that rule I actually understand. Like, you should have to complete the catch on going to the ground on the sideline because you're sliding everything else. I think it's a little more nebulous over there. But when it comes to the plane of the goal line, we see how this works. If, if the ball crosses it in any way when you're a runner, it's a touchdown. So why shouldn't the same thing be true when you're a receiver who has possession of the ball? It just doesn't seem like it should be this. So I was on the phone not too long ago with a a referee, a former referee, excuse me. And we were talking about sort of the culture of refereeing at this point. And one of the things I've always been interested in is if the sport has just gotten too fast and too complicated to referee at all. Are you right? Exactly. But then, but then it gets into like, we're, we're, we're replaying everything. Right. So like, but one of the things that this former referee said, and I think about this all the time, is the league office has gotten so involved in sort of Monday morning quarterbacking or Monday morning refereeing that they think that the referees just, you can see the wheels spinning in their heads and they just overthink themselves 10 times over. And they just say, and they're not exactly sure. It's not about, is it a touchdown? Is it a catch? It's more about what is the league office going to say? And so I think that's one of those things the NFL needs to figure out is sometimes I think these referees are, are, are too clever by half and just, just read way too much into these things. And, and it's kind of like what you said. It should just be a touchdown. And yeah, I know uh, part of that is just the, a rule book that's too big. Yeah, that that rule I just think is is wrong. At its core, I think it's just incorrect, and we should think about just a simpler way to do all of this. Let's get back to you know the outcome of the game and kind of what unfolded, though. So I feel like yeah, you know that not being a touchdown is huge for one reason, and it's that the Patriots are likely going to have home field advantage, and them being able to play this game in Gillette if it happens again, and we can get to whether it will in a second here, is monstrous because the Steelers are so good at home. The Steelers looked so good on Sunday. Even without Antonio Brown, very impressive. So the fact that now, if these teams play again, we're going to have to do it in Foxborough, I mean, it's huge. I I think that we home field advantage is overstated at certain points. Some teams have it, some teams don't right now. But for these two teams in this setting, it is a massive difference. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what analysis needs to be said here. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a huge difference. We knew that we'd been talking about that game for what, five or six weeks? Yeah, you could just see it coming and on the horizon. I mean, it was always looming. Well, no, and not just like, oh, here's two great teams, but this is for the for game anything. Yeah. for the AFC champ for hosting the AFC championship game. And I, I obviously, as you said, we'll get to whether or not it's it's written in stone these teams two teams will play again because there are some complications in the AFC race but I mean yeah I mean this is I I think I, I'll say this we're going to be talking a lot about that Jesse James no catch in in a couple of weeks when we see the result of the AFC championship game that's my general feeling now yeah I totally agree and, and you know that's the Steelers overall I wrote about this in my Monday recap just 
what we saw yeah. on Sunday that could kind of lead us to believe that this should happen again or you know how the playoffs will unfold. Pittsburgh looked really good. I mean, this team is clicking yep. right now. And the fact that they did this without Brown was so impressive. And really, the game kind of unfolded in the way I thought it would. You know, they New England did right. a the Pittsburgh did a better job of slowing down the New England passing game. Burkhead getting hurt, I think, is part of that. But you know, they really didn't throw the ball to the running backs very often. The problem was they played man and Gronk just toasted them. So, I mean, that was something I didn't necessarily see coming. I thought that Davis would be a better matchup on Gronk than the linebackers would be on the running backs, but sometimes Gronk could just take over a game. But what Bryant and Juju did was just really important because that, again, is the factor that was not in play last year for Pittsburgh. And the fact that now you have those guys, and if Brown does come back, which he's supposed to, and you have Antonio Brown plus that other element, I still feel like even going into New England, Pittsburgh can win this game. I mean, this is a really good football team on offense right now, and they're playing to their pretty much their potential, which they haven't in so long. We've never really seen this offense fully formed. And I think with Bryant back and Roethlisberger playing like this, or Brown back, excuse me, and Roethlisberger playing like this, we may see it for the first time. And that's exciting. I, I think they have a shot in a way I wouldn't have said they did last year. It's interesting because so for a couple of years there, remember those stats about how Bell, Brown, and Roethlisberger were kind of not on the field at the same time ever for very long. And, and it, Brian, you know, if I think those in guys 2014, were in Oh, yeah. Well, Brian, Bryant's obviously, I mean, Bryant's a, a, a different animal because he was spending for an entire year. But I mean, just the idea that they would have all of, I guess you'd say, the killer bees together. And I, I, I assume, I mean, they, they say Brown's going to be back for the playoffs. I assume he'll be fully healthy by then. I, I don't, I was, I was extremely confused by the Antonio Brown injury experience the other day. I was, as soon as it happened, and as soon as I found out that it was a, like a deep muscle bruise, I said, you just sit him. Yeah. Put him on the shelf for the rest of the season. Don't even think about it. I mean, they're playing two terrible teams in the last two weeks of the year. They should win these games, even without Antonio Brown. They beat the Patriots without Antonio Brown. So I feel like that was just a given. You know, he's going to sit. Let's hopefully get the bye so it's third week. You know, That's not a guarantee anymore. We'll get to that. But I think that there's no good reason for him to play again, even if he can, before the second round of the playoffs. No. No, and, and I, I, you know, I feel like we've gotten away from resting starters for whatever reason. But I mean, it's really smart. Even if even if he wasn't carried off the field in a dramatic way two days ago, it just it reduces workload significantly. I mean, it, 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 teams should be protecting their starters for the playoffs. Full stop. Especially Agreed. when you basically have a buy locked up. I, I, when, when you look at the schedule, let's get to that on second down. Let's talk about the team that's kind of nipping at the Pittsburgh's heels in the AFC, and that's Jacksonville. I mean, yep. one of the reasons they're not going to be able yep. to throttle it down at all is because the Jags are right there, and they have the tiebreaker. So Blake Bortles <laughs> lit it up again on Sunday. 326 yards, three touchdowns, his third straight game with a rating over 100. I mean, looked fantastic. Again, it's against the Houston defense that has just fallen apart down the stretch here, but I don't care. Those guys get paid too, and he looked really good again. I mean, well-placed balls. The really long uh, throw to Keelan Cole on the sideline was excellent. The second touchdown pass to Mickens is like a well-placed ball in the red zone that is just really solid quarterback play that I don't expect from him. I don't know what's happening right now. Always good to get the Bill O'Brien is not quitting headlines that we saw this morning. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's a good Marvin sign. Marvin Lewis is not going. Bill O'Brien's team is not quitting. It, it just oh, seems we'll like... We'll get to that. We'll get, we'll get to that. We're, we're yeah. going to get to old Marv there oh, in a second. Oh, we certainly are. But it's definitely some teams are falling apart. My team did not look very inspired for its head coach last Saturday. Blake Bortles, I joked on Friday... Maybe I wasn't joking. The world will <laughs> never know that they should absolutely pick up his option for $19 million next year. And I said that my only rooting interest is Blake Bortles and in the entire NFL, maybe in sports, you're London magic are terrible right now. Um, I'm all in on the Bortles express. <laughs> Danny Kelly has joined me in this. Games. We are both, we, we are both huge Bortles fans and we want Bortles to play well enough to get a hundred million dollars and sign the funniest contract of all time. Um, I think that the Jaguars are a really freaking good team. I think that 
when Fournette returns to full health, you'll see a very different version of this Jaguars team. But just the idea, look, is Blake Bortles what we saw on Sunday or is he what Jadavian Clowney says he is, which is trash? The answer is somewhere in the middle. Yes, But if they can do what they did earlier in the season and they can throw the ball, you know, I think he threw 14 times against Pittsburgh. If they play Pittsburgh again, they're not going to throw 14 times where they're not going to throw 38 times. Okay. So I think you're going to see sort of a hybrid of that. He gets out of the Pittsburgh with 22 attempts, something like that. Maybe he gets a high completion percentage and they ride Fournette and Ivory to a win. That's the recipe is Bortles making no more than three to four big throws a game and, and putting the ball in the hands of the guys we, we know can make it. I think that, you know, Bortles playing like this obviously is huge. The defense just being what the defense is, is huge. But there are little tiny elements of this Jacksonville team that are surprising and important. You know, Allen Robinson's not playing. Yep. They, they lost their best receiver. Allen Hearns has not been a factor. The fact that you have Keelan Cole, who's an undrafted free agent from Kentucky Wesleyan, coming in here and getting 167 yards receiving, this is when you start to build something fun. This is when things can get special. Is when you have that defense and you're he's stumbling like one into of the guys fastest like players in the NFL, by the way. Oh my God, he's so athletic. And he, there were some flashes earlier in the season. He made some really nice plays. And now it's like, okay, yep. now we're cooking with gas. If that defense is healthy, which they are, and we get guys like Keo and Cole coming out of the woodwork, Jacksonville starts to get interesting. So let's also, let's get to their NFC counterpart here a little bit. In the NFC, okay. the Rams dismantling Seattle. It might have been like the biggest beats out of the season. So with Jacksonville playing like this and the Rams looking like they're looking, both these teams eight months ago picked in the top five, or the Rams would have if they didn't trade the pick away. There's two games left in the season. How crazy is it that the Rams and Jags could meet in the Super Bowl? Is that realistic? I mean, it's crazy if you're looking at it through the the eyes of September. But at this point, when you look at this team, would I give the Jaguars a longer chance? Yes, only because the Patriots are in their conference. And the Steelers. But why I mean, can't both those teams they? Really AJ Boye and yeah, AJ Boye and Jalen Ramsey are at the very least two of the top five cornerbacks in the NFL. There are so I mean, Calais Campbell is defensive player of the year candidate, full stop. Malik Jackson is really good. I mean, they they just I I don't know. I wrote I was writing today about the Jaguars defense a little bit on a story that I wrote for the Ringer, and you know, so many times we do the is it the defensive line or the defensive secondary making the other look good? And in in Jacksonville, it is objectively both propping each other up and yes. creating an elite defense, and that's when defenses become really fun. It's the most complete pass defense just from a top-to-bottom personnel standpoint that I can remember, I think, that just in yes. recent years. I feel like that the um, the the Broncos' defenses were right there. You know, I think you could probably make the case that they were better just because the linebackers were really good, too. I mean, that's when Marshall was playing extremely well. And then, you know, obviously you have the rushers with... Miller and Ware and the guys inside were playing well too. And they had I, they have they have Malik Jackson on a on a cheap contract. Yeah, they have Malik Jackson inside as well. I, I just feel like the the pass rush package for Jacksonville when they get Campbell, Jackson, and Gakwe and Fowler yep. on the field at the same time. Fowler's played fine. He's by far the worst player in that group. Like the fact that Ngakwe might be a better pass rusher than Clayus Campbell. He's not bad. And Clayus Campbell is the defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, it's unbelievable. And well, Ramsey and boy are mostly Ramsey on Sunday. Actually, they pretty much gave him uh, Hopkins and let him go. I mean, Hopkins had 80 yards and a touchdown. Yep. He also had four catches on 13 targets. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous how well these guys are playing. And then, you know, Barry church gets the pick and very, Barry church is a good player. The fact that Gibson is just not even talked about, even though he's playing extremely well. I mean, that's how, you know, you have a really good unit top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, the Rams are not as complete as a, of a defense, but they win. If you were saying who is likely to get to the Super Bowl, I would pick them for two reasons. Number one, just the quarterback. And number two is is the conference. And, and those are the only two things that I think really differentiate them, except for the fact that the Rams don't have just an incredible shutdown secondary like the Jaguars do. But I'm, I'm just, I'm impressed as hell at both of these teams. And I I definitely definitely can see them either of them in the super bowl yeah absolutely i i think that the rams have a better chance just because the field is a little more wide open you know we'll dig into that a little bit here soon but i i think that overall 
you know, their defensive recipe is different. They don't have as complete of a team. They also have Wade Phillips. They also have Aaron Donald. You know, there's one game wrecker and just the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. So it's just not this blanket suffocating, you know, 11 man unit, but they do have the pieces yep. to just completely dominate a game, which they did on Sunday. And then you go to the other side of the ball and it's incredible. I, I just thank you so much, Sean McVay, for breathing life back into Todd Gurley. Like of everything else you've done, I think that is the most beautiful. And I will hand you your coach of the year award in person. I mean, there's no other person you can give it to at this point. This is one of the greatest turnarounds in the history of the, of the league, let alone for this season. Wait, offense, you know, offensively it is. Yes. It's the greatest turnaround of all time. Yes. The big, the, the biggest turnaround in the history of football, just anecdotally, I'm not saying I buried Todd Gurley, but when you see a guy like Todd Gurley struggle in the way he did, I think he had under four yards per carry last year. I just didn't expect him to ever be Todd freaking Gurley again, because I just, you know, when running backs start to slow, they typically don't, don't pick it back up, especially when he was that athletic his rookie year and what they've been able to do. It just goes back to how harmful. And I, I, you know, I don't mean that in a, in any way, except realistically, quite frankly, how harmful Jeff Fisher was to the league. There were three guys on his roster in the summer of 2016, who will be starting playoff games at quarterback this year. And all of them looked bad under him. You have to take away the Jeff Fishers of the, of, of the league out of there. And beyond that, I mean, I, I just, Sean McVay is awesome. Full stop. I, I just love him. I love him. What they've done is just, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's literally unbelievable. And obviously we talk about the fact that there's the personnel has changed everything else, but it's just impossible to overstate the job that he's done and where it stands in the history of the league. Yep. I mean, it's just, this is something monumental that we've been, we've been able to watch. So let's get to the flip side of that. Let me, ask you, let me ask you a question. Okay. Uh, if, if you combine those two, if you combine those two rosters, who's the best player? Aaron Donald. I don't where think you, what about Bortles? Bortles is second. Bortles. Yeah, it, it depends. Bortles has one Donald more game like Bortles. The he bi- did the last bi- week. I think I'd probably put him ahead of Aaron Donald. The big two. That's, is that is, is building Bortles going to make more team. money than that? Is Bortles going to make more money than Aaron Donald next year? Is that going to be the most unfair thing you've ever heard? Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm assuming he will. All right. Let's get to third down here, which again is the flip side of the, uh, the coaching coin. The, Carousel here is slowly starting to form, and that begins with Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati. Just a bizarre series of events for the Bengals this week. Adam Schefter reports last week that Lewis is leaving to, <laughs> for other opportunities. Then Lewis said he wasn't leaving on Sunday. Then he was asked yesterday if he would like to coach the Bengals next year. <laughs> and he said, sure, which is just exactly the type of response you want to hear. My guess is that he's done in Cincinnati. I wish we had audio of that. I wish we could have an audio clip of him just saying, sure. <laughs> My guess is he's done. Could you imagine? He's just like, yeah, you know, I, I, if I can fit into my schedule, that's fine. Yeah. 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 If I have the time, I mean, I'd sure, love I'll to do coach it. the Bengals in 2018. I've got a thing. I got, I've got a couple things I have to do, but yeah, I, I feel like I could do that. If he does leave, is that the most attractive job that could come open this year? Um, you know, it's interesting to me because it, it, how do you judge it? Because I think you've talked about it and a couple of other people have talked about it. Are the Bears this year's Rams? It's, it's, it's are they the to team that has the young quarterback? Are they the team with the young quarterback with the just insanely crappy coach and talent on defense who can be turned into a playoff team next year? we kind of know what the Bengals are. I'm not insanely optimistic on some of their picks this year. Like, I don't think, you know, the, the, unless John Ross balls out at cornerback or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. And so I just, I, I'm not, I feel like for upside, there's going to be more talent available elsewhere is if Indianapolis can get Andrew Luck healthy, that's a hell of an opening especially with Chris Ballard calling the shots. So yeah. I'm not, I mean, Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston, let's assume that, that Dirk Cutter doesn't come back. I don't think Cincinnati is the top job. Um, 
And I am also intrigued by Marvin Lewis thinking he can get a GM job. Yeah, that is really funny. I mean, I think he's going to try to sell that he did a lot of the picking of the players there, which is something that people have talked about. I don't know really how to handicap it. I think that there are arguments for a lot of these. I feel like if Bill Bryan goes in Houston, getting to work with Deshaun Watson and the fact that you have that trio of players on defense is intriguing. They're going to have more cap space than it seems like they should because of the guys they have on that roster. I think the reasons are obvious. Like J.J. Watt makes $15 million, which if he's J.J. Watt again is an absolute bargain. So that's the type of stuff that you have some wiggle room there, but you also have some really nice building blocks. Chicago, I, I get the momentum that started to build about why they could be a, a big turnaround team. They've lost a lot of close games. They have defensive talent. Their defense is not even almost as good as the Rams defense was even before Wade Phillips. The Rams had a top 10 defense last year. You know, the Bears are kind of on the edges of that and they've been hurt a little bit. So you could make that argument. I still think that they would need a Wade Phillips as character running the defense. I mean, Vic Fangio is very good. If you wanted to retain him, I wouldn't be upset about that and just bring in whoever the hotshot offensive coaches that works for me. And the other one, you know, that yep. I think is, is kind of interesting is again, if, uh, if it, what happens with Indy, I think that that's just one where if you have luck, you know, that is going to come quicker than it seems. So I feel like there are a lot of them and I kind of agree. I just think that, you know, with Dalton, he's fine. You have AJ green. There's some nice defensive pieces. That's just a limited upside play where the, Bears and the Texans, I think the unknown, it becomes intriguing there. You just kind of think, all right, well, what could we have if these guys hit their ceiling? And that's similar to what happened with the Rams last year. So I understand the argument. I just think that they're a little bit further away than that. I'm going to say something that I think is really interesting, which is interesting trend to watch. Excuse me. I'm not, I just said, I'm going to say something I think is really interesting as if I was about to make a very interesting point, right? (laughs) You listen to me. Um, I think an interesting trend to watch is the sort of McVeigh effect. No one was talking about Sean McVeigh yep. this time last year. He gets the job. He, he turns the team around to the tune of 17 points per game. Goes from the 32nd rank offense to the first offense. Okay. And I feel like you're going to see a lot of ownership groups who are saying, we're going to take a chance on this 30 four-year-old that, you know, 37 year old, whatever, almost John Gruden had a similar effect in the league a couple of years ago. And I, and, and those guys are a little, they have a much bigger miss rate than the 45, 50 year old guy or the, or, or the, you know, the guy who's, who's on a second head coaching job. You there, the, 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 the ceiling is higher, but the floor is significantly lower. And so I'm intrigued to see how owners approach that. Um, Patrick Doherty um, had a really funny bit on Twitter the other day of guys like Marvin Lewis trying to pretend they're millennials <laughs> just just to get a job because that's the only way you're going to do it. Uh, that's really funny. I you like know, that. Mark, Mark Tressman walking in and saying, yeah, how do you do, fellow kids? Uh, what is it? The, that shirt? It's a. Uh, oh, I can't remember what it says. I think it just says rock band on it. The, the whatever shirt uh, yeah. Steve Buscemi's wearing and that. I own that shirt. I just forgot what, what it says. <laughs> oh, that's it's just going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be Mike Smith wearing Supreme. Like Mike Smith shouldn't get a defensive coordinator. Like job. This team is terrible. Mike uh, Smith just wearing like easy, easy shoes to meet with Ursay. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I think that you're totally right. And I think that, you know, guys like John Filippo are going to get a call, you know, that he will get a head coaching interview. And I think a lot of guys in that vein will that people are going to dig deep for just offensive coaches they haven't thought about because of what has happened in L.A. I just feel like it's absolutely going to have a ripple effect. All right. So no matter where all these guys land, uh, one thing is certain. None of them in those jobs will outlast Julius Peppers. Panthers showing blitz. Third down, make it fourth down at 14. Rodgers takes the snap. Panthers come with four. Rodgers back. He is hit. He is sacked back at the 40-yard line. Julius Peppers, the former Packer, coming around the edge, gets the sack. And the Panthers All right, fourth down. Let's get to those Panthers and the rest of the NFC playoff picture. RIP, the Aaron Rodgers dream. It was pretty ugly. I, I just, you know, I'd seen him come back and do a lot of special stuff. He didn't look right. That underthrow to rot to Jordy just doesn't happen. You know, if he's a hundred percent, 
just some interesting decisions. He was running for his life a good portion of that game, which we thought could happen. Every time he took off, I just cringed. It's like, oh, no, please don't get hurt. And it was kind of funny when Peppers sacked him. It looks like Peppers was trying to like hold him up as he hit the ground. Because, I mean, those guys like each other a lot. I feel like there's a, he was a little conflicted yeah. in that moment, which I think you should be. So a lot of interesting stuff on Sunday with the NFC. The best moment of the week for me was watching Teddy Bridgewater walk onto the field in Minnesota. Like, that was an incredible. Mm. I cried yesterday when I was writing about it. I mean, that's just really, really cool. And that only happens because the Vikings stomped the Bengals just for another walk-away win, which they seem to get a lot of. Philly... Looks a little up and down against the Giants. You know, it wasn't Nick Foles. The defense played poorly. And then you have to see what the Rams are doing. I just feel like handicapping this race is getting more difficult by the week. I have absolutely no idea who I feel yeah. best about. I don't know how you gauge it because every week we sit here and we have a different NFC team we're excited about. A couple weeks ago was here come the Falcons. Last week, you know, I, last week's episode, the entire Friday episode needs to be sent to the moon because we spent the entire time talking about how the Packers and the Chargers were dangerous. Now neither team are going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Now the Chargers um, so are please, done. if you, uh, if you listen to that, um, now, uh, it was satire and it, it was a bit that we were doing. I think that with so the Chargers that you're going to have those games on the road against a division opponent. You're going to look like shit every once in a while. The problem for the Chargers is they were one start five. four. So you can't, you, you need yeah. those games. I mean, like, think about what the Patriots did against Miami. Those games exist. And that's exactly what happened for the Chargers. But when you have no wiggle room whatsoever, those games cost you your season. So we'll get to the Chiefs a little bit later. I know Danny, we're going to talk about the AFC. I mean, their recipe on Saturday was very nice. But again, I, I really don't know what to think about the NSC. I think that Carolina gets more interesting to me every time I watch them. And Sunday, the variable in that was Greg Olson. The fact that he's just back, you know, he gives them so much. And then what McCaffrey has become for them, I think, is very smart. Yep. You know, I don't think he should ever run the ball again. <laughs> just use him as a slot receiver. You know, the way he scored that touchdown, the moment between Cam and Clay Matthews was amazing. I assume you've seen the clip. I have. I wrote about it today. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that was just fantastic. And, and I think that, you know. That again, it's just little wrinkles. It's using him in a different way. You know, he's going to run that wheel. He comes back inside. Greg Olson blatantly commits offensive pass interference and is not called for it. But it's the type of stuff you got to do in the red zone. So I really do think anybody could win this. I, I, I don't know who I would feel best about. I really don't. And I think that's a cop out. I understand, but it's just going to be wild. And again, like New Orleans doesn't look great against the Jets, but. You know, they have all these players. The fact that we don't even talk about Michael Thomas anymore. The guy's amazing. I mean, he destroyed that game. He scored three touchdowns and two of them were called back. It, it just feels like every team has these quiet elements that could come up in the right moment and just ruin the game for the other team. I, I just it's crazy. I, I really don't know where I've settled on it. I just really need to interrupt you really quickly. Mike Durecki, who covers the Cardinals out there in uh, Arizona, just tweeted, Jeff Fisher wants to get back into the NFL next year and is eyeing three jobs. Could be eyeing three jobs. Cleveland, India, and Chicago. I'd be done. I'd, I would be done. I'd be done forever. That would be it. <laughs> that would be it. Okay. All right. That's it. That's all I needed to say. All right. Now, Carolina, I, I agree. I think I, this is... <laughs> it's like you just told me like one of my loved ones died. You're, you're going to move on from this in two seconds? Whenever I tell anybody bad news, I immediately start talking about Christian McCaffrey right after. Okay, that's fine. That's All right, move. that'll make me feel better. Go, go for one second. All right. So McCaffrey, I say, you know, I said this last week. His his destiny is to lead the league in screen grabs, where there's like ten guys who are selling out to stop him. Yes. But I mean, you can also, by the way, just get him the ball and he can score. And that's the thing. I agree with you. He should never. You know, he had trouble running between the tackles earlier in the season. Uh, they figured out what to do with them. I knew it was going to be a process. I talked to Mike Shula in training camp about this. And, and he basically said, you know, part of the problem with these flexible athletes who can play seemingly every position, but quarterback. And by the way, McCaffrey, they had a designed pass for him on Sunday and he, he didn't take it because Olsen was, it, yeah. was draped. But, but I mean, part of the problem is it takes a while for these guys to get built up. You can only 
take on so much, especially with the new CBA, you can't learn every position and learn every route there is automatically. And so that's, you know, McCaffrey told me a story when I talked to him earlier this year about, you know, how he was a running back and he started to gradually learn the receiver position in high school. And so he would just master one route, master two routes. And he clearly is sort of the kind of guy who wants to build on the thing he just learned. And so I knew maybe it would take half the season for him to get all of the components of the NFL game down, but he's got it, dude. Yeah. And this is a fun time in the year as well, because now teams are starting to build on their playbook because you have tendencies and yeah, as you get toward the playoffs, you got to play with them a little bit. I, I loved a lot of the stuff the Steelers did on Sunday. I mean, the touchdown to Rodgers, I've never seen them do that, especially in the red zone. It was an RPO that Roethlisberger like, had to move like Carson Wentz, and it worked. And it's just amazing. You know, the Steelers never used play action. 9.6% of their dropbacks, the lowest rate in the league, which doesn't make any sense to me because you have Le'Veon Bell. Yep. But they were 3 of 4 for 75 yards and 132 rating on Sunday. So now is the time we're like, all right, you think we're going to zig, we're going to zag. And it's going to be fascinating to watch. All right, buddy, let's get to your craziest headline from the weekend. What you got? Well, it w- I was going to circle back on the Eli Manning thing, but I just want to talk about the report that Jeff Fisher wants to get back into the NFL. No, <laughs> please don't. If you saw, if you're Jeff Fisher and let's, I, I, you know, you've seen photos of him at airports and at like grocery store checkout lines and stuff. The one with the puppy is still so, my favorite thing about the entire year. I, I just him staring off into the right. distance. He looks like a man that's going to go deep into the woods and never return. So let's assume he's gotten at least some brief updates on what's happening in the NFL. If you, you found out the about Case it? Keenum and I think he it's a very old time. He goes to the general store in yep. like Montana or wherever. Where is he? Is he in Montana? Probably somewhere that yeah, Montana yeah, sounds gets, right. Like Wyoming. on Wednesdays, he go on Wednesdays. He goes down and gets the newspaper and reads Sunday's scores. He yeah. definitely doesn't have a television. No, no, no TV. And he doesn't but, get a paper um, delivered to his house because it's not on the delivery route. He lives too far away. So he's got to go. Yeah. Once a week, he catches up on doubt. the news. Without a doubt. He doesn't want to play for, pay for a data plan. So he can't get it on his phone. No, he doesn't flip have a phone? phone. Do we think a flip phone for Jeff Fisher? I don't think he has a cell phone. Yeah. I, 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 that'd be hard for me to believe. What else does he no, pick I up think when he goes he to the general he has store? To call. No, 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 no. Like his, Robert, he has to have a phone. He has to have a phone or... If he doesn't have a phone, how is he going to call reporters and tell me once the bear's job? Well, he does it at the general store or he like goes to the bar and puts, like, 50 <laughs> he cents makes all his calls. He has a, yeah. he has a, he, has a, he, <laughs> he makes all his, he puts a nickel in. Yeah. Um, okay. He, he so uses the payphone at the bar. hundred percent. I, I really do. I'm serious though. What do you I, think his other supplies are at the general store on Wednesday? Like what's his weekly haul that he gets with the paper? Um, conservative quarterbacks. <laughs> he gets a couple of those, week. just throw them in. Yep. I, I yep. can see him just like um, a couple hungry man dinners. Designed for, you know, like he picks up some yeah. nails that he never uses. He's just like, no, I'm going to build something this week, but it never happens. And when he tries, it just goes miserably. Yeah, like the Rams. Exactly. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is if, if you saw the NFL this year and you saw that Case Keenum and Jared Goff both became significantly better when they weren't under your tutelage. Wouldn't you just decide to just do something else with your life? Yeah, probably. Again, build shoddy stuff in your do you cabin. Think get a, do you think that he could even get a defensive coordinator job? No. And why would he, he hasn't been one? a coordinator in a very, very long time? How much money do you think Jeff Fisher made on average per year as a head coach? Well, uh, according to this tweet, which is extremely informative tweet, um, he made sixteen million from his just as Rams buyout. Okay, perfect, good example. Just from the Rams buyout, he made sixteen million dollars. Jeff Fisher started coaching. The where was he? He was a head coach starting in Houston. At what age? Early, Early right? Oiler. He was. He he he, he was he was he was the Tennessee Oilers coach in the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, he was. He the also head coach. played in the NFL. Yeah, so he's been the head coach. He's been a head coach for twenty years. So let's just say, on average, you know, it, it's two million dollars, and he gets sixteen million from the buyout. Jeff Fisher's playing with some cash here. I have no idea why he yeah. would want to come back and coach. He's sixty. Retire. <laughs> just go. You don't need to do this, Jeff, and we don't need you to do this. Lombardi and I did a video a couple weeks ago. And Lombardi said that he thinks that 
in the same way players sometimes just get too much money and sort of lose sight of of their goals playing wise. He thinks that that happened with Jeff Fisher. God, Jeff Which Fisher is was not hired at 38 crazy. to be the head coach of the Oilers. But it's not crazy. I mean, at some point you just get so much money that you're just like, yes, I'm I'm going to carry a dog around. Is it Montana? Is he in Montana? Can we get confirmation on that? I don't know, but I just I'm on Jeff Fisher's profile um, reference page. Uh, Jeff Fisher's first no, it's Montana. challenge. It's Montana. Montana. Okay, good to know. Jeff Fisher's first challenge was uh, on October 10th, 1999. He challenged a pass from Stony Case that was complete to Patrick Johnson for 14 yards. Play was upheld. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> great. Did not win the challenge. Patrick. Patrick Johnson, the uh, the. Is that the USC guy? No, he went to Oregon. He played. He was on the Ravens. I do not remember him at all. I'm sorry. I should have known with Stony Case. I don't, I don't, but of course, know. Jeff Fisher's first challenge ever was was not overturned. I don't know who that is. I don't know who any of these people are. No, Stony Case. I remember, wow. but I, I'm not I know. Stony, I know no, I know Stony Case is. How could you forget Stony Case? Of course. I mean, that would be a travesty. All right, it's time for my ringer of the week. Uh, this one is not very difficult to understand. Uh, it's pretty obvious. But Aaron Donald is really, really, really good. Uh, Danny wrote about it on Sunday night. I, I just think that he's the best player in the league. Like, I, I don't know if that's that hot of a take anymore. I don't know if it's that, that controversial. I think he's better at what he does than anyone else is at what they do. I just don't think there's a way to stop him anymore. Every single game, yep. he is disruptive in just a ridiculous way. And he can do it from anywhere. He's just splitting double teams left and right. He had 10 pressures on Sunday. I don't care who it is. Again, this is the they get paid to argument. It doesn't matter that it's the Seattle offensive line. He plays against the Seattle offensive line every year, and it's not necessarily this. I mean, I just don't understand how he does this. And like playing against him, I, guys are afraid, right? You have to be. I, I just can't imagine what like the hour before the game is. It's like that story that Gary Smith did of the TCU team that was about to play Jim Brown, and he wrote about the picture of them yeah. in the locker room beforehand. I essentially think that any offensive line meeting the week that you're playing Aaron Donald looks like that, because I don't know why it wouldn't. That's a great Gary Smith article. But listen, uh, Pete Carroll said this the other day, which is essentially exactly what you said, which is you can't take him out of a game. No, there's nothing He'll you can do. He'll just split a double team. There's nothing you can do. And I would just, like to see. You know, you know what I would. I you know what I would like to see. I would like to see Bill Belichick in a big game against Aaron Donald. Yeah, and guess what, because buddy? I, I we think might. That, <laughs> we might. We might. That's a, that's a realistic. Well, he's that's, a, the, that is realistic. He, that can happen. He took a a, a Ram superstar out of a game. 17 years ago. Um, but that's very true, man. That'd be awesome. What I mean Rams by that Patriots. is just, you know, m- Mr. Matchup, Bill Belichick against a guy who seems matchup proof and, and scheme proof at this point is, is, is a really interesting proposition to me. Yeah, I agree. It was funny. You know, they're going to do that stuff to Antonio Brown and we knew they were, and it was kind of sad and like a little bit cruel that on the play, Antonio Brown got hurt. He was the second option on that play action pass. But he redirected his route back inside and suddenly became the best opportunity. That's what makes him so good. And that's why it's not that, oh, Juju can play a little bit. So we'll probably be okay. He's literally unstoppable because it's not just that he can roast you on any given route, which he can, by the way. But it's that when the play breaks down, he always knows the exact right place to be. It makes him unstoppable. And I think that was a really like telling moment that the play he got hurt on, that's what happened. It was just kind of weird. It was like, oh, God, of course, Antonio Brown's going to get hurt on this play where he almost scored a touchdown in a way that he never, ever should have. The entire Steelers offense fascinates me. And I think that, like you said, Juju is a really interesting wrinkle. And I think that, I mean, one of the things I think Brown's injury I did a pod with with Bill and his dad uh, on Friday, and Bill's dad pointed out that you know Le'Veon Bell went out in the first quarter of the the last 
the last matchup between the Steelers and the Patriots. And now Brown goes out this time. And I'm intrigued to see the next time they play, and I think they will play, how they match up in crunch time and, and what the Steelers are able to do against that Patriots defense if they have all of their weapons. Because I, I felt a little shortchanged I just in the sense that I didn't get to see the, the, the entire the full octane Steelers offense against against the Patriots defense in a big spot. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that it's going to be fascinating. I think they will play again. And I think the answer to what can they do is whatever they want. I, I think the Patriots are going to score a lot of points. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, they should have won that game. Yes, they should have won the game without Antonio Brown. So I, it, it's going to be fun. Right. Just all the possible matchups. Like I'm just thinking about, I did that breakdown of Steelers Patriots before the game. And now I'm thinking about like, oh God, what if the Jags play the Patriots? Like, what are the matchups? How is it going to go? Like, what, where do you, it's just, it's going to be so fun down the stretch. This season has been garbage for a lot of different reasons. There are so many things looming here that I love. If Fournette doesn't play, Belichick's whole thing is taking away the number one weapon on offense, right? Portals, baby. What? No, I'm just, I'm intrigued to see what, like, is Belichick just going to short circuit because there are no weapons to take away if it's just Bortles? <laughs> so Bortles is going to throw for 600 yards. Yeah, that's probably how it's going to go. Yeah, it's just like, we don't know what to do. We're just not going to stop anybody because it's it's Bortles. <laughs> Maybe right. that's that's it. Maybe that's the key to stopping the, the Patriots. Yeah, it's just to have no weapons on offense. Yeah, Belichick's going to fry his circuits. All right, it's now time to welcome in our good friend, Danny Kelly. Danny, how you doing, buddy? Well, you know, as a Seahawks fan, I've been better, but otherwise, you know, things are going pretty well. I'm excited about the coming week. Yeah, it's uh, I, I just got very animated. Do, what'd you think of that alien story? <laughs> I knew we were going to talk about that. I thought that was awesome. I'm, a, I'm, this, this is going to be kind of like I don't know if this is going to be like a hot take, but I'm, I'm a believer in aliens. So, uh, I, I think that was pretty fun. Excuse me. What? Well, so is the New York Times, apparently. <laughs> I feel like we I feel like we moved on really quickly from that. We went from like on Sunday morning, it's like, ah, there's probably aliens, and then Sunday night it was like that damn catch rule. Nothing phases anyone anymore. Okay. I think well, we moved actually, on too fast from, from Danny just saying, I believe in aliens. <laughs> How long has this been a thing for you, Danny? Was this a revelation because of the story? Or are you that, a long It's not that alien hot of a take. It's no. okay. Let me put it this way. I think the odds of alien life existing are very, very high. So I don't know that I, the fact that if they came to Earth would I don't think it's that weird, to be honest. And if they didn't want to make contact with us, that actually kind of makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, I'll, it's to me, it's like just logic based on the amount of stars and galaxies and, and planets out there. Like there's got to be life out there. I want to believe Danny broke the seal. Danny broke the seal by saying Ted Ginn was a sleeper for this year, and now he can just do his alien takes, and then they, they seemed completely fine. How many yards does Ginn have, by the way? I think it's not as, he's not going to hit a thousand, but it's closer than I think maybe you guys thought. Well, and he's been hurt a little he bit had, too. He had t- he had ten yeah. yards uh, in his last appearance, twenty seven before that. He's at six seventy eight. Damn, uh, it's not quite as good as I was hoping. Oh well. Uh, he was on right. Danny. Like I'm with you on the, the aliens year. thing, buddy. Hey, I'm not <laughs> saying that I don't think there are aliens out there. I just think how casually Danny dropped that he believes in them was I really, in really great. I, I, that was a fun moment for me. I mean, we could talk about ghosts next. You know, but let's <laughs> we'll talk about playoff odds. Yeah, let's, okay. talk let's about go playoffs. ahead. Let's go ahead and not talk about ghosts. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save ghost talk for next week. For now, right. let's dig into the AFC wildcard a little bit. Yeah, the Titans and the Chargers both lost. The Ravens and the Bills both win. Tennessee and Buffalo current have the wild currently have the wild card spots, which good lord. Yeah. Danny, when you're looking at these teams, who do you think ends up being the five and six seed in the AFC? And does <laughs> any of it really matter? Um, I think if the Ravens get in, it could make things interesting. And, and I'm I'm you. expecting them to get in. I think that, that they finish up the year hosting the Colts and then playing um the Bengals. They're they, in. I think they have two home games. They're going to win those games, and Tennessee, or excuse me, Buffalo is likely to lose to New England, who right. still has to keep winning because they have the same record as the Steelers. So right. I just think the writing on the wall is that Buffalo is not going to get there, and the Ravens probably are. Which, if you're the, the Bills, and I tweeted about this on Sunday, and people were like, it wouldn't matter anyway. They wouldn't beat the Chargers. Okay, fine. You willingly gave away a game in the middle of a season. <laughs> 
and you haven't made the playoffs in 18 years. You're going to miss the playoffs by one spot. If I was a Bills fan, I would be rioting right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and I totally agree. That's like so... It's to me, it's like unforgivable that that happened. But it is we'll, unforgivable. <laughs> it, you willingly made your team worse in the middle of a playoff race when you haven't made the playoffs in two decades. Yeah, I mean that's just terrible. They, I think they could Are still we, make it. The question is, do you guys see the Titans winning either the Rams or the Jaguars games that they have on their schedule? Probably they could not. Lose. And if they don't, well, then things get interesting with the Chargers. Yeah. It's so there was actually there was a tweet last night, you know, the meme. It's like the two people in bed, the the woman's thinking he's probably thinking about other women. And then the guy's like thinking about some like just something terrible and stupid. It was like it was the AFC wildcard picture, which is just total. I I tried to figure it out last night. I was I was just like looking at all the scenarios. There's like a hundred scenarios right now that that have to happen for certain you know, for just like the five and six seed to kind of pan out. There's so many different scenarios. It's like a thousand right now. So I don't even know how the hell it's going to end up. Awful announcing had an article yesterday. The most likely Sunday flex game for week 17. Titans Jaguars on Sunday night, baby. That's amazing. I absolutely love that. That is such (laughs) trash and I love it so much. So if we're looking at this right now, Malarkey Marone, it's Sunday night. (laughs) You know, like the intro has like all the famous people in it, like to Sunday Night Football. Right. You know, like all the people we've heard of, like Aaron Rodgers and J.J. Watt and Von Miller. Are they going to have to like refilm with Delaney Walker and Bortles? (laughs) (laughs) B-roll. Oh, God, that's so great. So right now, if the Rams game was in week 17, it would be a little more interesting with the Titans because the Rams may have nothing to play for in week 17. Right. If the Vikings win this week, then the Rams are penciled in as the division winner. Minnesota gets the bye. But now, but because it's this week and there's still the bye is on the table for the Rams if the Vikings lose their last two, which is unlikely, but still possible. You think the Titans will lose to the Rams because they're worse and the Rams have something to play for. And then the Jags in week 17, they can still get the bye. Yeah, they could so be going both, for the two seed. Yes. So both of those games will matter for the Titans opponent. And they are worse than them because the Titans are actively bad. So then if Buffalo loses to New England, which you assume they will, because, again, the Patriots have something to play for. Right. The Buffalo does not have the tiebreaker with the Chargers. So if the Chargers win their last two, they will be nine and seven. The Bills will likely have at least seven losses and the Titans would have eight losses. So the Chargers would still get in. (laughs) It's not out of the question that the Chargers can do this. They're very much in play for a wild card based on the opponents of the other teams. And the tiebreakers. Yeah, that would be ideal in my mind. Agreed. Although the Chargers really did just blow it this week. We're talking uh, about it, though. Those games happen against it, it, divisional division games. opponents yeah, with talents. Yeah. Those games happen on the Absolutely. road. It's The problem is you can't let them happen when you have been 1-5 at one point in the season. <laughs> right, right. You can't afford those games, even though they're probably lingering somewhere. I still think the Chargers would be the most dangerous AFC wildcard team. Oh, yeah. And they it got... really is possible that they could get it. I mean, this is not that far fetched when you consider just all the pieces that are moving around right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The AFC, this, this is crazy. So the Chiefs are sh- almost surely going to make it. Yes. And the then... Chiefs are pretty much penciled in because they're going to ha- get the division almost certainly because they're two games ahead of the Chargers, more or yeah. less. Even though they're one in the standings, they have the tiebreaker. So even A if they would... lose, they're going to win the division. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how much we kind of hated the AFC playoff picture, I think. And it's actually kind of shaping up to be more fun than I, I originally thought. Like if the Ravens get in, the way the Jaguars are playing on offense right now, it makes it more interesting. Yes. And I think that the Ravens getting in and the Chargers getting in is ideal for just the the quality of the games. Yeah. And the reason that I did, I don't want the yeah. Titans to get in because the Titans I, are bad. And the Titans may not get in now. I'm, I'm, right. I'm more excited for the NFC on wildcard weekend. But I'm more excited for the AFC on Divisional Weekend. How's that? It's yeah. going to be really fun to see like, like the just, Steelers and Patriots take on the really good defense of the Jaguars and Ravens. We were just talking about that. Just like the specter of that matchup as a football nerd really yeah. excites me. And I feel like that's going to be fun. I think it's going to be more competitive than people think. And again, I think that if the Chargers do sneak in, and it is very much on the table right now, they have a chance to give some teams some issues. I mean, I think they can play with anybody when it's going right. 
And then what's happening with Kansas City, and we talked talk about a little bit with Kevin, the recipe for the Chiefs is exactly what you saw on Saturday. Justin Houston has a big game, bothers quarterback. Marcus Peters starts playing again, which he yeah. apparently wants to. They <laughs> run the ball extremely well. They need to run the ball as the basis of their offense. That's Feed when hunt. they were best yeah. at the beginning of the season. And then you have the stray shot here and there to Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey is still very good. This is the recipe. They need to keep Smith clean, and if they can do it against the Chargers, they can do it against anybody. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff in play here that we're maybe not considering oh, when we're man. just penciling in the Steelers and the Patriots in the AC Championship game again. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I think it, it's just gotten exponentially more interesting to me over the last like four weeks or something because i mean even like a few weeks ago like two or three weeks ago i was looking at the ravens like this is an unwatchable team yes <laughs> but th- they've gotten so much more interesting over the last few weeks their run game's really picking up Flacco's playing well i mean like and then obviously the chargers have heated up yeah it's it's so much more interesting now I, I'm, I'm starting to actually get excited about the afc Jimmy, thank, let's thank Jimmy Garoppolo collectively for possibly keeping the Titans out of the playoffs. Uh, Jimmy, you have my heart. You already did, but this is uh, just one more, you know, W in that column for you, buddy. I, I really liked Kevin's tweet the other day. It was like, just give the 49ers a playoff spot. <laughs> <laughs> just give it to there them. There should be like one at large. Who's against like, it? I, I'm not against it. I feel like we should d- just give them the give Titans it. spot. <laughs> they have That's the what I was going to say. Well, you don't need to give them an NFC spot. The NFC spots are fine. You just give them. I have a question. If you give them that six seed, I guess they'd play the Jaguars. They'd probably lose to the Jaguars right now, right? The 49ers are still a bad football team. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Let's lose. be clear about this. <laughs> the 49ers still have very they, few good players. They got they got Jimmy Garoppolo. That's Bill Hyman is a top 10 quarterback. <laughs> I mean, already, how much of a freaking home run does that trade look like? Oh, man. I, I mean, Why does it always happen in the NFC West? That's what I want to know. I'm sorry, buddy. That's really <laughs> trash luck. I, you know, I say that, but I, my team plays Aaron Rodgers twice a year, so yeah, I don't really true. have any that's sympathy true. for you whatsoever. <laughs> All right. I think oh, that's man. it, Danny. We'll talk to you on Friday, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. All right, Casey, before we get out of here, let's offer our lasting impressions from week 15. What's sticking with you? I just want to loop back on something Chuck Pagano is talking right now and he's talking about Andrew Luck and he just said you know how hurt he played he's got grit he's not soft like everybody else did he just call everyone on the planet soft except Andrew Luck did he just throw everybody else under the bus yeah I mean a lot of those guys have played for his team so he has a lot of experience with that I'm not sure who he's throwing under the bus here the guys who don't play hurt I guess or so. just everybody on the planet. I, we're getting Great. very close Good to content. not having to deal with Chuck Pagano anymore, so it's okay. He's going to be talking once a week as a defensive coordinator for the Dolphins or whatever. Um, okay. My lasting impression is that we're here. Um, the Patriots and the Steelers sort of kick-started what I would say is a couple weeks of unofficial playoff football. And then we get here. Um, you know, I was talking to our editor in chief of the ringer, Sean Fennessy a couple of weeks ago, and we we're talking about story ideas and just to peel back the curtain a little bit. And we, we were discussing, you know, different approaches. And, and he said, you know, late December into early January is the only time that everyone agrees that football is awesome. Yep. And we just talk about it and we love it. And you don't realize it in October and November when when you're watching, you know, a crappy Thursday night game or whatever. But this is why we watch. It's for the sort of four or five week stretch um, through divisional weekend. And I just I we're here and it's going to be fun as hell. And we've been talking about the different scenarios for a couple of weeks now. And and I'm so excited to get to see a lot of these. I mean, the Jaguars going on the road to play the Steelers or the Patriots in the AFC championship game. Like that's we're football nerds. That's, this is what we want. This is, this is why we're here. I've am so pumped up about everything that's happening. And I think that game was, you're exactly right. It was the right combination of things to kind of kick it off. You know, you have the two best teams in football, most likely going at it in prime time. You have stars doing what they should do. You know, Gronk and Brady just lighting it up and them being enough even against a really good Steelers team. 
Brady kind of being like, yeah, it's, it's my yeah. trophy. Like, you know, I, you will pry it from my cold, dead hands. Minnesota and just their defense playing the way that it did, everything that's happening with the Rams. It, it just feels like, you know, losing Wentz sucked. And it was a terrible moment. And it took away something that really defined the season in a certain way. But now that we've kind of come out of the wake of that, there's still so much here to play with as we move down the stretch. I mean, every single team that's left has something just entrancing about them. You know, Carolina, when Cam is on, there's really something fun to that. The fact that you have Brady's going to be around, what the Steelers have on offense. Minnesota's defense can take over a game. Keenum's just slinging rockets in the red zone. Kamara, Breeze, Aaron Donald destroying games. Everybody that is lingering right now has one or two elements that can win them a game, more or less. And I just think it's going to make for a wild, wild month. And I cannot wait to watch it. Let's get it. Let's do it, buddy. All right. That's all we got. As always, guys, thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. 